I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a weekly podcast from the Post and Courier. What does a community lose when it loses its newspaper? Reporters Jennifer Barry Hawes and Stephen Hobbs tried to answer that question. There's some urgency to it right now. Across South Carolina, 10 local newspapers stopped printing last year, a record loss, at least in recent memory. Today, they'll explain what they learned from two communities, one that still has a locally owned paper in print, and one that recently lost its newspaper. You'll also hear from the editors of two local South Carolina papers, one who's had a long career in journalism and can look back and say he's grateful to have never left local news. Another just entered a new chapter of his career and hopes his story might encourage other people to take the ownership of their hometown papers into their own hands. Hi, I'm Stephen Hobbs, and I'm on the uh, Watchdog and Public Service team here at the Post and Courier. And I'm Jennifer Barry Hawes. I'm also on the Watchdog and Public Service team here. The newspaper's been working on a project all year called Uncovered that has taken a look at all kinds of wrongdoing around the state, particularly in more rural areas. And one thing that we know is that when newspapers close in communities, misdeeds of all kinds can increase. And so we decided to take a look at the importance of particularly very local newspapers uh, in terms of the community's watchdogs, but also just the broader sort of community glue that those local papers provide in terms of printing everything from obituaries to graduation photos to covering meetings and all the kinds of things that people look to from their local newspaper. And so to tell that story, we focused mostly on a, on one newspaper that was still providing those services and then also a community that had lost its newspaper. Those communities were Union and Ware Shoals. In Union, the Union Times folded, but the weekly Union County News is still printing. Ware Shoals lost its local paper, The Observer, last year. I think when we, we learned more about Ware Shoals, what was interesting about that example was it was a two-person operation one of the individuals, the publisher, Dan Brannon, got sick and they were unable to keep the paper going. And it kind of showed some of the precariousness of some of these papers when when it is such a small operation. And so I think when we saw that, we realized initially that, that this seemed like a good place to at least learn about and explore more. When we talked more to Dan and his wife, Faye, who, who were keeping the paper going and found more details about it, it, it continued to seem interesting. And then you start talking to people in the local community about what they miss about the paper. And it just really started to, I think, hit on a lot of the themes that I think really show the importance of, of papers. And so it's it's a community of only about 2,000 people. And so it's very small. But already, even after they had stopped publication in December, people were already feeling like they didn't know what was going on in this community. The Union County News is also a two-person operation which means those two people wear many hats. I called the newspaper's editor, Graham Williams, and asked him what his job description really involves every week. Oh my goodness, gosh. Write stories, take photos, sell ads, create ads, design pages. Let's see. Deliver papers. Pretty much anything that goes into putting together a weekly paper, I do. You know, I write news, I write sports. All the photos that go in the paper, I have to take care of, you know, as far as take the raw image and, and crop it. So it's, it's a lot going on. Graham Williams and Anna Brown are the two staff members who really run that operation every way. 
And they have been doing it for decades and decades and decades. They both worked at the paper that's closed now first and then started their own paper essentially when they felt that the local news coverage was not what they felt it should be. Uh, so they've committed their entire careers to to journalism and particularly to union. Those are really special people in a community. And it, it really is a really special person who, in the case of Graham Williams, when I was there with him, he worked on the day that they deadline. He worked that night until late covering a school board meeting because he wasn't going to leave until the school board came out of an executive session, which was a commitment that he made to the coverage he provided. He wasn't going to allow them to take votes without him being there. And then was there late till nine o'clock or so. And then the next morning at 7.30 was back in the building to deliver the newspaper. And Anna Brown, the publisher, was already on the road and had been delivering papers for hours already by then. And it's not just anybody who's going to provide that kind of service for typically very little money. Some people have gotten into journalism and found out that it's not what they thought it might be. You know, back when I was first getting into it in college, that was during the Watergate and Woodward and Bernstein and the, I guess the the glitz and glamour of that type of reporting, which not everybody does. You know, a lot of it's just your, you know, nose to the grindstone everyday work. And some people didn't like that. Plus, the money's not great. And yeah, when I first started out, I thought, well, yeah, I'll do this a couple of years and get some experience and move on to the big city. It never happened. And I'm really glad it did because you have so much more of an impact. When The Observer and Where Shoals was still printing, Faye Branion had a similar role in her community. Faye Branion was the primary reporter, and, and she would just regularly attend these meetings. Uh, from the people that we talked to, she, she really knew things like the Freedom of Information Act, the state's uh, public records law, and what rules there were for state officials to follow things like when they should be meeting, how they should be meeting, um, what they should be talking about with meetings. And so there were times that it sounded like she was the the expert on that and and she was being asked on to provide information or she was uh, someone that that council members, you know, had to kind of face if they if they didn't follow those rules. And and there was one school board member we spoke with who was who was on the board for a long time who said, you know, she really kind of kept him in line. And there were times that that she called him out. But he also respected the fact that she was uh, writing information correctly and, and telling the truth about what happened. And so there's that kind of mutual respect that can can really occur in a, in a community like this. And I think one thing that has been noticed since Faye is no longer going to meetings is there is a local, another local newspaper that's a daily newspaper, the Index Journal in Greenwood that's nearby that will many times send a reporter there to school board meetings or to town council meetings, but they have all these other duties. Um, and and Warshoals is a small community, and it's only about 2,000 people. And so they're not at every meeting. And so what is kind of interesting in, in, in this Uncovered series that, that we found is, you know, sometimes you, you might think that council members or school board members might not want the press there because, you know, it's like this other level of scrutiny. And that is true. But then there's also this other side of the fact that the newspaper was also a way to get information out about the school and to find out what's going on and some of the highlights of the school. So the school superintendent in the Ware Shoals area is really saddened to, to not have the paper there anymore because it's just so much harder for people to find out what, what they're doing and what's going on. Those are big losses for this community. 
when we were following Graham around when he was delivering newspapers, they have an historic courthouse there. And he goes inside and he's just kind of chit-chatting with the deputy. And the deputy mentions something about they haven't had a fire drill in a while. This is an historic building and an old building. And so you kind of see Graham's wheels turning that maybe that's a story. The week after we were there, Anna Brown, the publisher, caught wind at church that one of the newly elected council members had moved out of her district. And so Graham began exploring this and ultimately talked to the woman. And she said she thought she could live out of district. He showed her the municipal association's handbook and she resigned as a result of it. And so that's another example. It's possible that somebody would have figured out she didn't live in her district and something would have come of it. But he played the role he was there to play and discuss what had happened and why she needed to live in district and all that kind of thing. And those are the kinds of things that the paper does that are really important. It's just the kind of information people might not realize they would miss until they don't have it, like in Where Shoals, where they can't access it anymore. I think the other thing that's important about a community newspaper as a source of information is, is just the accountability of the people who are involved in it. And by that, I mean Graham Williams from from Union. He's there at those meetings. He's staying till the end. And people see that. And same thing with Faye Branning. She's there every week. And the leaders see that and they're there. And so if she gets something wrong, she's going to hear about it. Or if she has to ask a tough question or Graham asks a tough question, he's right there. There's a level of trust and accountability that is built through that. That makes a big difference. You know, when, when people see you and know you and that type of thing, you're kind of responsible. And, and they feel like they can tell you things and give you ideas for stories, which is very helpful. And I just think that that involvement makes a big difference. The big question, of course, is how to keep these kinds of newspapers open. Some of the problems the paper and where Shoals experienced are reflective of what other community newspapers are up against. Some of the issues that we saw in Where Shoals that I would imagine are are issues nationally, one is this kind of continuing a paper after the founder or the, the lead reporters and publisher and editor retire or say have health challenges, which is the the situation in Winter Shoals. Dan, Brandon, and his wife, Faye, they'd been running the paper for a long time. And over the years, I'd say had kind of informal internships or where they had young journalists come. They had two children and no one of those kind of groups uh, wanted to stay and and, and take over the paper. And so that's, you know, something that maybe we you would hope for is a family member or that young person in Wershals would get excited about journalism and want to stay and continue the paper. And so that is something that that we've heard is an issue nationally, which is just what happens to the next generation of these publications. You have these very intensely devoted people to this publication, but how do you continue the publication by you know passing it on to someone who has similar kind of motivations to keep it going? And then another thing that we noticed is this balance maybe between a community service and you're, you're passionate about something and then also making money. I think in the Brandings case, they wanted to provide things like death notices, obituaries for free. They wanted to allow people to put community events in the paper for free. They, they wanted to keep the price low. It was, it was 35 cents for a copy of the paper. 
and $16.50 for an annual subscription to the paper right when it closed. And they wanted to do that because they felt like it was important to have people in the community have that service, have that paper that they were putting out because they they felt strongly about it. They were both born in the community. And so it was important to them. They didn't want to prohibit people from being able to get information. But then at the same time, they have bills to pay, right? That they were mailing out many papers across the country, and that is a cost. They're having to get the papers printed at another, like a printing press location. That is another cost. There's utilities. There are other things that they're paying. And so unfortunately, I think those can kind of run into each other a little bit. I'm sure they could have charged more in many ways for some of these things, but would that have meant that not as many obituaries got in the paper or not as many wedding announcements got in the paper or things like that that really, I think, people enjoyed? Well, the situation in Ware Shoals is one you'll see in a lot of other small communities. In Barnwell County, the story of their newspaper, The People Sentinel, has been different. Earlier this year, Jonathan Vickery, a 33-year-old journalist who grew up in that community, purchased the paper from a subsidiary of Gannett, the largest newspaper chain in the country. He took the helm on July 1st. Here's Jonathan. Growing up in Barnwell, I, you know, it's a small community, and I didn't truly appreciate it as much as I do now growing up. I kind of grew up saying, as probably a lot of kids do, that you know, I'm never coming back to Barnwell after college. However, you know, things changed, and I graduated from college with my journalism degree, and um, was looking for a job, and and this job as a staff writer came open at the People Sentinel, so I accepted and moved back home, and that was uh, 11 years ago, and I was able to work my way up to editor, and then eventually to buy the paper, and so it's it's just been the the best decision to you know move back home because it, it is more meaningful being home. You know, there's nothing quite like home. He wouldn't tell me how much he paid for it, but he did say it wasn't so much as to be insurmountable for many people. And so he was encouraging uh, younger journalists in these communities to think outside the idea that, oh, that has to be somebody else. The idea to buy the newspaper, it's something I've thought about for a number of years and kind of half joked about, but never really thought I would have the opportunity or the resources to do so. However, uh, you know, started having some serious conversations with our former corporate owners in the last year, early this year. Jonathan said a big part of bringing the People Sentinel under local ownership again was to provide better coverage to the community, coverage that's focused on hyper-local news that these kinds of papers can provide. There aren't any other sources of information for what's happening here. My priorities are to cover, you know, of course, the the government meetings that are happening so that folks can stay informed on how their public officials are using their tax dollars and what decisions they're making. You know, I've got to cover the bad news, the, you know, the car wrecks, the murders, the, the unfortunate things that do happen. But my real joy in what I do comes from the the positive stories, what good things people have done or awards they've won or just other accomplishments, you know, things that people want to flip out the copies of the paper and hang it up on their refrigerator. It's kind of a term we use in the industry called refrigerator journalism, which is something that I love. I mean, I I have copies of stories from when I was in the paper, you know, going back from when I was a kid that I keep 
You'll see things like someone who receives an award, for instance. Uh, local sports is a big one. In Union, that was a huge emphasis. They had put out a special football section the week that we were there, and that was one of their biggest additions aside from the election issue. I think also events. To find out about every small festival or celebration, you're not going to get that as much in a, in a bigger paper, but you will get that in the local union paper, or you would have gotten that in the local Ware Shoals paper. We report on what's happening in the community, you know, from, from you know, beginning to end for a person, you know, births, deaths, you know, weddings, engagements. We have a lot of feature stories about people. We report on local government, you know, we report on all the high school sports that's going on and anything you can think of in a local community, we pretty much cover or we try to. And people like that. Journalists, while we aren't perfect, do strive for fairness in our coverage and accuracy in our coverage. And that's something that you're not going to get necessarily outside of a newspaper. Now, you may find sites that have amazing citizen watchdogs and that sort of thing. As far as people who are trained in journalism ethics and trained in things like the Freedom of Information Act that Stephen mentioned earlier, that's what journalists are trained to do. And I think that's what you miss when you don't have a newspaper, per se, is the cohesiveness of the product, bringing everything together, but then also the, the effort to provide accurate, fair, objective information, which, like I said, we aren't perfect, but I haven't met a journalist yet at any of these newspapers who wasn't striving for that. There's a quote out there. It says, journalism should be memorable, not because it's sensational, but because it's real. That's, that's uh, my mission every day. All right, that's all for today. Thanks to Graham Williams of the Union County News and Jonathan Vickery of the People Sentinel. If you live in or near those communities, please consider supporting their publications with a subscription. For more of Jennifer and Stephen's reporting on local newspapers in South Carolina, check out the link in today's show notes. We will also include a link to the entire Uncovered series. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for our show, you can email us at understandsc at postandcourier.com. We're also on Twitter at understandsc. We'd love to get your feedback. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our intro music is by Billy Fountain. You can find his music on Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. Before you go, we have one last message from Graham Williams of the Union County News. If you have a local newspaper, support it, you know, especially if you're in a small town, you know, I mean, because without one, you know, who would who would be there to report on on your community? You know, what would happen? Think about it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.